Hey guys, welcome to the Take Points Africa podcast. My name is Muiwa. I'm Emmanuel. And I'm Tej. So if you can make it today, she's a bit under the weather. If you know her personally, please reach out to her and check out on check on her. And uh, yeah. And of course, um, just a quick disclaimer, we are recording this episode remotely, just like we did last week. So there may be some background noise. There may be so much Nigerianness happening, whether it's sound of generators or the fact that we're not in our studio recording with professional equipment. So please bear with us. Yeah, so what's up, guys? A lot, a lot has happened this week, or it seems a lot has happened this week, or not much, it's relatively not, speaking. Um, funding news related stuff, but yeah, different stuff forms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Last year was last year. Was. Um, last week it was raining funds. Last week, <laughs> really interesting stuff. Anyway, but something happened over the weekend that was very interesting and got people worried, uh, thinking maybe like it's going to affect fintech players. Um, the Central Bank of Nigeria. Nigeria's regulatory financial body um, decided to implement a new policy. Emmanuel, you can tell us about that. Okay, so the policy came out last year, in November 2019. Uh, December 2019, oh. to be precise, sorry. And I remember when CBS last the charges on uh, transfers and uh, ATM maintenance fees and all that, like just right before Christmas. So in that same document yeah. where they slashed everything, that was where they introduced uh, charges uh, for failed direct debit transactions. So that direct debit is, uh, it makes it seem as if any company or any individual that puts up his account for automatic deductions, say every month, maybe you are paying a NEPA bill and NEPA is to collect money from your account automatically every month. But uh, so there's this thing going around like, okay, how will this affect the current payment you set up on Paystack and Flutter with the likes of them? So uh, mm-hmm. we reached out to their support teams and they clarified that, oh, this will not affect your current payment. It's actually for direct debit. So it now leads us to, okay, what is that is direct debit? So it's just like a written order from you, the customer to your bank, telling your bank that, okay, on so-and-so date of every month, remove a certain amount from my account and pay it to this person. Mm. So in Nigeria, we don't use that often. What we mostly use it for is loans. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah. So loans, yeah. Loan providers. So I guess that's what the policy is for, so that to... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, you were about to say, is to help loan providers uh, be able to uh, collect their funds so, and reduce the amount of defaulting loans we have in default. Nigeria. Yeah. So, so that's the idea behind. So they are, they are charging, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they are charging 1% of the amount if a direct debit fails because you don't have funds yeah. in your account. Yeah. Or 5,000, which whichever one is yeah, greater. Which one is higher, yes. So if a direct debit of up to 500,000 naira fails, you are paying. 5,000 naira, 500,000 naira, anything above 500,000 naira, you'll be paying 1% of that amount. So that's like. Uh, oh, you mean anything below? You mean? Yeah, anything below, you are paying 5,000. If, for instance, you set up an automatic debit for 400k every month in your account, you will be made to pay 5,000 na
400k mm-hmm. is now to 5,000 naira. So he will pay the one that is higher. So he still pay 5,000. Yeah, so, oh, so then if it's one million, one percent is hundred thousand. You pay, that's, that's you pay one percent, which is hundred thousand. No, that's crazy. That's ten thousand. Okay, ten thousand. Yeah. But that kind of ties with the was it not a few weeks back or a few months back that you, you did a story on how CBN is trying to tackle um, default payments, yeah. allowing allowing um, loan loan providers to withdraw money from any to debit here. Any account, yes, any any account, any wallet that is linked to your business, <laughs> they, they call it without a, any instruction. It's oh, so if you if you borrowed money from bank A, yeah, and then it's time to collect your payments, but there's no money in your account in bank A. Mm-hmm. Bank A can use your BVN to trace oh, yeah. to trace yes. other banks or wallets yeah. where you have money and withdraw that money yes. without your permission. Yeah, so interesting. So if if that is already there, why why did they not still have to punish you for not having money in your account? Because <laughs> since there's already a policy that says if there's no money in your account, you borrowed money, mm. they can check for other accounts linked to your vision and withdraw. So why would they now so does it mean now that with this policy they would because when they first attempt to um, debit your account, because there's no money there, you'll be charged mm. and then because of the other policy, they're gonna get money from your other accounts and withdraw it. Mm. Well, it's so like yeah, you you'll be punished on two fronts. Yeah, yeah, and the question is okay. The punishment came before this other directive that uh, they want to debit any billion linked account you have. So now the yeah. punishment came in December. Then global standing instruction came like two or three months ago. So. I think yeah, but they didn't implement this yeah, one yeah. until uh, over the week. Yeah. They didn't announce to implement it until over the weekend, which is why everybody was in the frenzy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. But the main thing now is um, this is not going to affect recurring payments and fintechs, right? No, so no, we should no. not be worried. No. No. It's just direct debits, which not many Nigerians use. Mm. Okay. Heritage hey, wanted to like, is it if um, the um, the fintech companies like, are they really sure it will affect uh, recurring payments or, I mean, since nobody's really sure about the whole thing, I, are they really clear on that um, statement or is just something to reassure their customers? Because maybe later we we'll probably find mm-hmm. out that, I mean, it's actually affecting recurring payments. I just I'm just asking because it's like the first time I'm hearing about the whole direct debit thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it has since it's just been implemented, right? Are they really clear on that? Oh, oh, direct debit has but always it, been. I mean, you just said they just implemented it over the weekend. No, no, they implemented the policy, but direct debit has always been a thing. It's just that it's not very commonly used in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. so there's actually a regulatory document that describes all that direct debit entails. So if you check that document, you see it has nothing to do with uh, the current things. Okay. But the only caveat I will point out here is okay, it's possible for them to update it later. Include recurrent payments. Include recurrent payments. Recurrent payments. But in the current state, <laughs> in the current state, I don't think. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from the depressing and sad stuff and boring stuff. Uh, okay, still, still, still in fintech anyway. OP is wilding. What's going on with OP? Yeah. It's the long we heard from OP. <laughs> So, Opera, the popular browser, they released their financials. Opera is the brand company of uh, the Nigerian fintech company, Opi. And uh, it's, they stated that Opi processed about $1.4 billion in the month of October alone. 
So they didn't offer much information, but that's like half a trillion naira. Yeah, interesting. It's it's really very it's interesting and it's quite surprising and it shows that uh, OP actually used yeah. that super hard uh, initiative to rope a lot of people in to the uh, payment brackets like we predicted they would last year when Oreg came and started offering a lot of freebies. Yeah, so it, I think it also ties in with what Iniabas uh, and the OP's country manager told me uh, a few months ago about uh, the number of payments that OPA is possessing both online and offline transactions. And I think that has been their key uh, strategy, being able to possess both online and offline payments with a lot of mobile money agents around. And I don't know, mm-hmm. from my indication, it seems they are beating Paga and uh, First Money at their own game so far, so good. So, yeah, we. They also revealed that okay, Ope is planning to expand outside Nigeria very, very soon, but they didn't give a specific date. Uh, expand? Didn't, didn't they originally kind of start in Kenya? Okay, they didn't start as Ope. Mm-hmm. It was Opera. Opera. was like the name was something to do with Opera, not necessarily Ope. It's, it's when he joined Nigeria that he was. When he came to Nigeria, it was called Ope. Mm-hmm. But they kind of. Soft launched in Kenya, but yeah, it didn't really cash, pick up, right. if I'm not mistaken. You know, they like Opera Mobile Money or something. I, I can't remember what it was called, but something like that, that they launched in Kenya. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so they want to expand. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, but they didn't mention when all the countries will be looking to branch out to for now. But it's interesting to look at what their plans are going forward and uh, we wish them the best. Yeah, so they seem to have figured it out with the whole uh, mobile, offline, mobile agents network and all of that, uh, even with the pandem- pandemic. So, interesting stuff, although we're not, we can't say for sure whether they are profitable. We, I mean, these are just transaction volumes. We don't know for a fact what's going on there mm. and whether it's viable and they're profitable enough to start taking up an expansion. But anyway, kudos to them. It's all interesting. Interesting. Okay. Meanwhile, we are, of course, well, all all the past weeks we've been discussing the West African Startup Decade reports, uh, where of which OPE features, you know, having raised so hundreds of millions of naira over the past mm-hmm. decade, of dollars, sorry, over the past decade, and then one of the insights from the report uh, seems to show that you are better off having co-founders. If you are looking to raise money, what was that about heritage? Yeah, so I'll just like give a little sneak peek into the report, so not to like give everything out and all that. So yeah, like what you just um, said, um, from the reports we gathered that, I mean we just covered the millionaire West African startups, right? So startups have raised one million dollars plus cumulatively over the past decade, and mm. we saw that. Um, if you are if you are a solo founder, right, you probably raise less mm-hmm. than if you if you have a startup, a startup with a solo founder will probably raise less than a startup with two or three plus um, founders on the team. So it's um, it shows like that you actually like need um, how do I put it? 
a couple of founders, or you need like two or more founders to be able to like scale and raise more money in Africa, right? And I spoke with some um, VCs um, over the phone this week and he gave some insights into why that's the case, right? You need um, someone mm-hmm. to help you with the journey when you probably, if you're a solo founder and just everything is on like, you know, carrying all the body and it's going to be, you're going to be stressed out. So you need someone to partner with you and you need someone to handle the tech another person to handle the business so you really find yeah there are companies like like you know like that that um, probably skill and everything they have just one founder but majority of the prominent companies have two or more founders so it's just like an advice to startups um, or to solo founders that are trying to um, scale their startups better to have two heads like they say is better than one so yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm seeing that among the startups that raised over 15 million, that West African startups that raised over 15 million dollars over the past decade, only one of them has a sole founder. Um, 16 of them has have two co-founders, mm-hmm. and 13 have more than two co-founders. That's interesting. Very interesting. 16. So startups, it's wow. looking like you have to have two or more founders. To increase your chances of raising, raising lots of funds in Africa, mm-hmm. and and that's interesting because uh, there's always a debate or should I say the question about should I go alone, should I go with someone, should I have a co-founder? Um, exactly. You know, choosing your co-founder can be can be like getting married. You may choose the wrong partner, and True. it runs the business down. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they always. I remember we have a story from about three years ago that was written by Titi. We can put a link in the episode notes about how you should find what you should look for when you're looking for a co-founder. Mm. Uh, about like do their skills complement yours? Yeah. Do they have experience? Uh, have they done it before? Do they have contacts and network that you, you can't reach? Like can leverage. You know, stuff yeah. like that. True. Yeah, and because all of those things matter. Mm. Uh, and I think that's why these startups that are raising so much money is because the people that are on the team or the co-founders, like the two or three co-founders, all have different um, yeah. areas of expertise and they have experience yeah. in that. Yeah. I guess so definitely it makes sense that yeah another thing I guess the on the part of the investors they might look at it like okay if it's a solo founder if he gets tired of the business he can just run away. Yeah probably shut oh, yeah, everything down. Yeah but if he has co founders if one person gets tired the others can carry on uh, with mm-hmm. the business and the business is not for when the co founder do it. So I guess that's the other way to look at it. But uh, the fact that there's a startup with one one founder that raised fifty million fifty million dollars shows that there are there are always going to be exceptions. I'm even trying to yeah. think. There are always of going to be exceptions of fifty million dollars plus. Wow. Trying to think of startup, but yeah, there will be exceptions, of Sorry? course. I said I was trying to think of like the startup that you know has raised fifty million dollars, the solo founder startup. But I can't, none can pop into my head right mm. now. Yeah, 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 I mean, they're not that common. So you have to even rack your brain before you even, before you. But I think Sim think might of do that. But they're they definitely. Just saying. Shagaya. Okay, so Sim Shagaya is probably the only founder of Ulysses right now. Yeah. Hey, but you know, in his own case, there's, there's also the case about serial entrepreneurs. And even the report shows that. Serial entrepreneurs also have a better chance of raising more. I mean, he has he has emotion that was acquired. He had deal day and then conga 
I mean, you listen now. So he, mm. he definitely has a track yeah. record. He definitely has a track record. So yeah, but interesting stuff. I mean, if you want more insights to that, you can always check our West African Tech Startup Decade reports. Visit intelligence.techpoint.africa. We put also we also put a link to that in the episode notes. And don't forget, next year we are still hosting the Digital Currency Summit. Um, Emmanuel, tell our listeners more about that. Okay, so in uh, summary, by January 2021, yeah, ICOs and all that. Of course, we'll be inviting uh, the, the likes of uh, Yellow Card and some others that have raised money as a crypto startup. And of course, we'll be discussing uh, on a separate notes, on a separate conference, we'll have an internet conference for the geeks, the developers, the designers, and people interested in gamifying uh, tokens, uh, advanced UX for crypto and of course the blockchain technology. So for those developing new innovations in digital currency, for those who want to do that, and for those who want to just expand their network, yeah, please, the Digital Currency Summit for 2021 is the best place to be. Of course, it's going to be a physical conference, and rest assured, we have all the precautions in place to guard uh, against uh, the pandemic. So. I would love to see you there. Head over to the website currency.techpoints.africa and register. So that's yeah, register. So we'll put a link to that in the episode notes also. And don't forget if you are listening for the first time, you can get the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Hyatt Radio, anywhere you get podcasts. And you can also visit podcast.techpoint.africa. If you, if you don't want to use any of those apps, you can still listen to our podcast. And don't forget our sister podcast, Built in Africa. Just search for Built in Africa wherever you get podcasts. And uh, quick one before we go, again, apologies. We are recording this remotely from different locations in Lagos. So there's a lot of background noise all over the mm-hmm. place. Apologies for that. Uh, next week, we should be in our studio anyway. Um, Heritage, any parting words? Uh, well, yeah, like always, um, she stay safe. Um, the year is coming to an end and we look forward to more um, exciting news from startups from from the government too hopefully and yeah from the tech ecosystem in Nigeria and Africa yeah looking forward to great news and uh, as well as wrap of the year alright guys so we'll catch you next week um, take care and bye